Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. When your eyes are on others, you're distressed. But when your eyes are on the Lord and you're living for the Lord, you're blessed. What Paul is saying here is when we're living for the Lord, we're not going to fall prey to the enemy. It's as that hymn of old. You're under the spout where God's blessing comes out. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Colossians. When you come to know Jesus, the enemy will do everything possible to distance you from him. That's how he's able to steal, kill, and destroy. Are you being pulled away by a busy schedule or a quest for success? In today's message, Pastor J.D. encourages you to be aware of how the enemy is trying to pull you away from the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Colossians chapter 2 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Colossians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul is writing by the Holy Spirit, and I'll add true to form, very passionately says, verse 1, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you. Hang on to that word contending. I want to talk more about that in a moment. I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal, verse 2, is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I tell you this, verse 4, so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are, and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the second time he's mentioned their faith. The first time was at the beginning in chapter 1. Verse 6, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on 
human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. For in Christ, verse 9, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So I've titled today's teaching, When There's Danger Ahead. And the reason I chose this title is because Paul is warning the Colossian Christians whom he loved so very much, even though he had never met them personally. Keep in mind, he did not start this church. He had never even been to Colossae, unlike the other churches that he would write epistles too. Not only is he warning them, he's actually agonizing over them. This is where that word contending comes into play. In the original language of the Greek New Testament, this word translated contending in English is the Greek word agon, where we get our English word for agony or agonizing. So in other words, what Paul is saying here is that he agonizes over them. He's never even met them. Yet he loves them. He agonizes over them. He certainly continually prays for them. This is what I mean by true to form when it comes to the Apostle Paul. If you're anything like me, and I suspect that you are, you've gotten to know this man of God, mightily used of God, throughout our study of the New Testament. I don't know what your impression is of him. I could see that many would see him as being this hard-driven, almost intimidating man of God. Wherever he went, He started the church. (laughs) He started a riot too. This was a man who just was, I mean, full on for Jesus Christ. Nothing moved him. And yet there's this other side to him that might be a little bit surprising, but I see the Apostle Paul as being this very soft-hearted, passionate, kind, loving man. It wasn't just the Colossian church that he agonized over to the Galatian churches. He actually likened his agonizing to a woman's birth pains. Listen to what he says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, my dear children, how affectionate is that? My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, I'm laboring for you. I'm agonizing over you like a woman 
who's experiencing birth pains, and I do so until Christ is formed in you. In Acts, we're told that he cried. Paul was a crier. He cried day and night for three years, every day, every night, all day, all night, over the church. In Acts 20, verses 29 through 31, he says this, I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So here's the warning. Be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. This begs the question of why it is that the Apostle Paul was in such agony. Why was he in such pain, laboring in pain and weeping for these churches? I believe the reason is because Paul knew what every single one of us should know. And that is that whenever God is moving and blessing, Satan is attacking and deceiving. That's the warning. For the Colossian church, it was some form of this false teaching known in that day as Gnosticism, which basically taught that knowledge was necessary for salvation. One commentator explains it this way, Paul wrote this because there were problems among the Christians in Colossae, but the doctrinal problem, sometimes described as the Colossian heresy, is difficult to precisely describe. It probably was a corruption of Christianity with elements of mystical and legalistic Judaism, perhaps combined with this early Gnosticism. Well, fast forward some 2,000 years to the present day, and not much has changed. Oh, it may not be Gnosticism per se, but this is one of the greatest dangers we face today. Here's the truth, and please don't miss this. If the enemy cannot keep us from coming to Christ, he does everything and anything to pull us away from Christ. Let me say the same thing another way. The Apostle Paul would say, don't be ignorant of Satan's devices. I like the King James rendering, says, of the devil's wiles, the wiles of the devil, the tactics of the devil. 
the strategies of the devil. It presupposes that we know that the devil has a strategy. He certainly does. And you have to understand, and even in Ephesians we saw this with the verbiage, the language, the choice of wording when Paul describes our spiritual battle that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers of darkness and wickedness in high places. He delineates between four spiritual entities of different rankings. And it carries with it this idea of a military strategist. Picture in your mind those those old war photos And here's the military strategist looking over and pouring over this map, strategizing where to attack, the optimum time to attack. That's what the devil does all the time. So here's a church, arguably doing very well, clearly very strong in their faith. That's remarkable. That's commendable. God is blessing this church. God is growing this church. And whenever you see that happening, you can be rest assured that the enemy will do everything and stop at nothing to destroy that which God is doing. And he'll shift strategies. And it's not just in the life of a church, it's in the life of a believer. Before we come to Christ, He does everything He can to keep us from coming to Christ. Then we come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He completely shifts and changes His strategy, and now He'll do everything He can to pull us away from the Lord, distance us from the Lord. That's how, by the way, He's able to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said that's what the enemy does. That's what his goal is, as we're going to see here in a moment. That's what his strategy is. Now, in the case of the Colossian church, it was this persuasive and pervasive false teaching, but please know the enemy will use any means necessary to accomplish the same end. Stay with me. Whether it's prosperity or adversity, busyness or idleness, or everything and anything in between, That is the goal of the devil in your life and in the life of this church. Would you agree that God in His grace has blessed this church? Make no mistake about it. The enemy hates this church and he hates you. And he really hates your pastor. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, think about it. A pro-Israel Arab who loves the Jews and talks about the Lord's return in the last days. And by the way, 
you're guilty by association. So I know you're laughing, but (laughs) you know, for some of us, it's prosperity. I have a book in my library, and the title of that book is The Agony of Affluence. Sometimes the enemy, when God is blessing and prospering, will use that very blessing and prosperity to get us away from the Lord. Adversity on the other side of that can have the same effect. When adversity strikes, we're prone to misinterpret, misunderstand, and we are deceived and have believed that somehow God is angry with us, and so we keep our distance from Him. Busyness, that's a biggie. I have to confess that this is one of those teachings that for me personally has been very convicting. And I'll explain why I say that. First of all, I've had to ask the Lord to search my heart and see if there be in my heart the same kind of love that Paul had for people in the church. I wish I could stand before you and be transparent with you and say to you that I labor over you, I agonize over you. I do love you. I do pray for you. But that convicts me. Here's another reason I'm convicted. It's not Gnosticism, it's busyness. I have to confess that, not idleness, you know, there's that saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop. That's true. For me, it's not idleness, it's busyness. I get so busy doing the things of God that I don't have time to just be with Him that intimacy with Him. You can fill in the blank in your own life. If there was a letter written to you personally, maybe even confidentially, if need be, what would the warning be? What would the warning be? What is it in your life that Satan, in his strategy, to destroy you, to distance you from the Lord. What is it for you? What is his goal? Where are, maybe better ask, the goalposts in your life? This is why Paul says in verse 2 that he has a goal too. And that goal is that they would be encouraged in heart and united in love. He then goes on to explain specifically, even practically, how it is that we can reach this goal. 
First, notice in verse 6, he tells them, as we have received Christ Jesus as Lord, we're to continue to live our lives in Him. What does that mean? What is he saying? What does that look like? What he's saying here is when we're living for the Lord, not living for self, because that's what the enemy wants us to do. That's his goal for me and you. It's been said that when your eyes are on self, you're depressed. When your eyes are on others, you're distressed. But when your eyes are on the Lord and you're living for the Lord, you're blessed. What Paul is saying here is when we're living for the Lord, we're not going to fall prey to the enemy. It's as that hymn of old, you're under the spout where God's blessing comes out. I like that. I like that. Kind of dorky a little bit, but you know. It's the second way that I want us to spend a little bit of time on. It's in verse 7. And it's that of being deeply rooted in order to be equally built up. Now I say it that way because the further our roots go down, the higher the building of our lives can go up. Maybe a better way to say that is proportionate to how deep our roots are, so too will that be and determine how high our lives are. It's because there's no, and this is the problem, when there's no deep root system in our Christian lives, it's just a matter of time before we're brought down. And the enemy knows it. He doesn't want you to know it. In the first psalm, and I say this reluctantly because I say it maybe too much, and I know you tire of me saying it, but this is my favorite, one of my favorite psalms, <laughs> like Psalm 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 and 6. <laughs> but in Psalm 1, the psalmist paints this magnificent portrait of those who delight in and meditate on God's Word day and night. The Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossian church emphasized that Jesus is God, going against the claims of the false teachers at that time. As followers of Jesus, you're asked to adopt this view as well. Jesus is the only qualified substitution for the punishment of your sins. Because of the authority He holds as God, He took your sins to the cross and then defeated death forever by rising again. If you'd like to know how you can have a personal relationship with Jesus, we'd love to tell you more. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of salvation. This is a great way to learn why you need Jesus, how He saves you, and how you can call on His name and be transformed forever. 
When you go through this process, please let us know. We'd love to be praying for you as you begin this relationship with Jesus. Just click on Contact under the About tab and send us a quick note. Links to both are available at our website. If you're in the area, you're invited to come join us in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe for our weekly worship services. We get together every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth time of Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. What a blessing it is to have a family of faith to support you as you grow in Christ. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.